No, I, I, my favorite character in the movie is Chavez's hair. <laughs> Just his hair. Just his hair. Yeah. This is her. It was, it, <laughs> it, it, for, for me, it, it was the perfect character. <laughs> it was it was it was flowing when he was riding, and it had the perfect bounce to it. It, it glistened in the sunlight. It never seemed to get dirty. Uh, it was fantastic. It was just it was fantastic hair. Welcome, everyone, to the Electric Boogaloo Podcast, the show where we expertly navigate the cinematic universe, jumping over the original to dive deep into the world of sequels. You ever stumbled upon a sequel of one of your beloved classics? You examine the movie, ready to embark on a cinematic journey, only to be met with disappointment as you find the sequel pales in comparison. Or do you discover that the sequel outshines the original? We're here to review these movies that perhaps were better than the original, or maybe never should have been made. I am your host, Scott, and as always, by my side, my trusted movie companion, the man who made me see Anaconda in the theaters, my co-host, Brad. How are you, Brad? I'm good, and I still stand by seeing Anacondas in the theater. I don't know, man. I know we actually, I believe, went to see that at the Uptown Theater. Okay, so Of course we did. We, that's where we saw everything. That's where we saw everything. Okay, folks, we are originally from Toronto, Canada. We are actually recording. I'm in Ontario, Canada, and Brad is in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, we grew up in Toronto where the Uptown Theater, which was right downtown at Young and Bloor in Toronto, if some listeners might remember it, uh, best movie theater to go see a movie in. Best sound, best screen, everything. And we always sat in the best seats. And I remember there was one time, I don't remember what movie we went to see, actually, but there was one time when there was already two other dudes sitting in our seats. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the movie was, but it was ruined. <laughs> you know, it reminded me of something out of a, out of a sitcom where... It's like we've always sat in this. Oh, you know what it's like? It's like that scene in Friends where they all walk into the coffee house and there are other people sitting on the couch and then, <laughs> in the chairs and they kind of look side to side and go, oh, this isn't right. That's how we felt when we were in the uptown. It was it was it was awful. It was it was horrible. It was that was that's like one of my worst childhood memories. <laughs> well, one of the movies that we saw at the Uptown Theater, and this is going to be the focus of today's episode, we are going to take a deep dive scene by scene, well, sort of, uh, into the 1990 hit sequel, Young Guns 2. First, Brad's going to give us all the details of the movie, director, actors, etc. Take it away, Brad. Starring the who's who of 80s and 90s movies, really. Emilio Estevez, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, Kiefer Sutherland, Christian Slater. Um, you know what I... Okay, never mind. I'm thinking to myself as we're talking, too. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> directed by Jeff Murphy and written by John Fusco. Now there's John Fusco, who also, uh, he liked um, horses, I guess. He wrote Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. He wrote Hidalgo with Vigo Hidalgo. Morton, The Highwayman. He, that's, yeah. a pretty, that's a pretty nifty recipe, I'll tell you. You know, he also wrote, since we talk about sequels, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Oh, which I haven't seen. Maybe we'll cover that on the show, because I really did I, enjoy uh I really enjoyed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So let's see. Maybe we'll do that one as one of them. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that one either. Excellent. It'll be a blind watch. Because we've already <laughs> well, seen Young Guns yes, too. Sir. We saw it in the theater for crying out loud. <laughs> many, many, many moons ago. Now let's take a quick jump into the first movie because everybody's going to be interested in how the sequel was. But let's talk about Young Guns, the original movie. It, it kind of framed a lot of our friendship back in the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> It, it certainly did. That was 1988. 1988 it came out. I believe it was on video like a year later and we watched it on the VCR in your basement. You know, I really don't remember if we went to see that one in the theater. I don't not. think we did. I, I don't think so. I think we, we first watched that on video 
Um, we took a lot out of that movie. I was really impressed with the, with the original. Like it was groundbreaking. It was all the Rat Pack guys, Kiefer, Charlie Sheen, Lou Diamond Phillips. They'd all made careers for themselves, except maybe Casey Shamasco, but he was in Back to the Future. And then Dermot Mulrooney, our favorite character, played Dirty Steve. <laughs> Dirty Steve. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never clean, always spitting somewhere, but uh, probably one of my favorite characters in the original. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know who else was fantastic in the original? Jack Palance. Jack Palance, who actually we'll get to the part in the movie where they actually replaced him with another old actor, James Coburn. And the scene that happens there. So we're going to get through that when we go through our, our scene by scene breakdown of the movie. Uh, now, as far as the uh, box office goes, because a lot of people are going to compare the box office from the original to the sequels. It, it always it always happens. So they made pretty much the exact same amount of money uh, as the Young Guns 2 made this exact same amount of money almost as Young Guns 1. It's uh, actually, apparently, Young Guns 2 made slightly more than the original. All right. So I've got like 49 million versus 45 million for the sequel versus the original. Something like that. There are different sources and there are also different numbers. Yeah. But um, everybody seems to agree that the sequel made a little bit more than the original. Well, let's see if our review Which matches up. Which often does happen. Yeah, for sure. If I, if, if I recall, uh, you know, I think something like Terminator 2 made a couple of dollars more than the original. Uh, just slightly. Maybe there was an extra six zeros on it, but I don't know if we'll ever do Terminator 2 because it's just too damn good. Uh, and comparatively speaking, I don't think it, it does, definitely does better than the original did. I mean, Even though I they were quite a bit of years apart. I can't say that there's many people that uh, haven't seen Terminator 2. True. So True. I, I, I don't know what we would even say about that one. All right. Now is the time in the show where we, we don't listen to critics, by the way, folks. We're never going to read a critics review, uh, but we're going to go through some reviews of the movie. Uh, thank you to the IMDb for providing these user reviews. Uh, it's it, Brad, it's funny enough. It received so far on uh, the IMDb. Let me just see if I can find it. How many stars it received. Jeez, I'm just trying to find it here, and I don't know if I've got it. Oh, no. Oh, I can't seem to find it. I'm just trying to see what the IMDb score is on the reviews. Uh, 6.5. 6.5. Okay. So that's kind of average. What? Uh, do me a favor. Look up what, what did Young Guns 1 get on that? Because there's a lot of positive reviews here. Oh, okay. Uh, hang on a second. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna read some of the I'm gonna read some of the reviews here. Uh, we're gonna start with some bad reviews here. Uh, five Young Guns, at, the original yeah. got a six point eight. Okay, so pretty much exactly the same. Six point eight IMDb is pretty like you don't want to give it a five because you think you'd be mean. You don't want to give it a ten because nobody gets a ten. It's kind of middle of the road or you know, anything anything above seven is gonna be good anyway. All right, here's one from uh, Yahira72969401. Not mature enough. I don't get that. Warning, spoilers. Spoilers. The problem I find with this movie is that it's too self-aware. A Western trying to be a Western. What? Emilio Vestvez is poorly cast here as Billy. Wait a minute. He'd already been Billy. Okay, some people don't know how to do a review. He is too much the same cool kid he played in Repo Man is the same character. He and Kiefer are just cool buddies playing at being outlaws in the Wild West, but they managed. She's making it sound like they did a home movie of themselves. Uh, they are acting, not living the characters. I get the. I get it's kind of tongue in cheek, but poor acting doesn't make a film. <laughs> okay, All right. I mean, it, there is a little something to be said for that for Emilio. He does often. Well, I guess I should say he did often play the same character. He did. He, you know what? He, maybe he had the same laugh, or uh, I really don't know. Yahira seven two nine six nine four seven zero one. This review was actually just from March of this year. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. The favorite, my favorite review I saw on here so far, Scuba Seven. 
more of the same, but in a good way. Man, the 80s and 90s were a good time for movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about this one? This one is one out of 10 from February of this year from PVT underscore Ed. Yeah, whatever you whiners is the title of this review. I get it. Everything must be pristine, accurate, and fully sourced to satisfy Western fanboys. Oh, you know what? This must be a comment on this must be a comment on other reviews because he's like, yeah, whatever, whiners. This is entertaining, not an archaeological dig. The retellings of Billy the Kid has never been consistent with the exception of entertainment value. You know what it is? Because people are going in going, Billy didn't do this and he didn't actually say that. And uh, I could listen to him. I could list many prop mistakes, weapon failures, uh, deviation from documented history, but what purpose would it serve? This is a great series to run on a weekend working on a home improvement project. All right. Well, you know what? Private Ed or PVT underscore Ed. He had something, something good there, even though he gave it one out of 10. That's weird. Here's, here's, I'm, I'll, all I'm going to do is read the title from this one. Somebody named Wow, Wow Chat. I don't, I don't even know how to say this. Um, dumb Guns. <laughs> okay <laughs> starting off positive all right let's go <laughs> i'm not even gonna read anything else that's it dumb guns just dumb guns uh here's one seven out of ten billy don't be a hero uh young guns two blaze of glory 1990 dash okay so they totally renamed the movie because it's not called Young Guns 2 Placing. It may be that I'm just more familiar with this one, but I thought that it was the better of the two. My opinion was definitely Emilio Estevez's best role. No. Uh, as the unsexed, horny teenager I was, I'm now an unsexed, horny, middle-aged git. <laughs> Used to love watching this just to see his cute little butt, even if it was only briefly, it's still cute. You do get to see his butt. You also get to see, um, what's her face's butt in the movie too. Jenny Wright. Jenny Wright. She who was not in a lot of things. No, no, she wasn't. Uh, well, I just, well, tell you what, she wasn't in a lot of things that we've seen. No. Although actually you would know she was in, uh, near dark. Correct. Uh, she was also in the world. She made her debut in the world according to Garb. Uh, she quit acting like in 2007 or something like that. Oh. Yeah, we never, we'll never see her again. She's still a very good looking woman, actually, for someone in her 60s. So, all right, give, uh, us, give us one more review and then we'll, we'll jump into the scene by scene breakdown. Son of Mansfield says if you have seen the original, you probably won't like this. That's it? That's all he said? <laughs> That's it. <We're> done. <laughs> wow. Okay. Four, four out of ten. Four out of ten still. Yep. All right. Are you ready to dive into the Old West? Are you ready to get back up and say, regulators, saddle up? Are you ready, Brad? I, oh, I'm ready. All right. Here we go. We're going to dive deep, sort of, into Young Guns 2. Scene one. We meet an old Billy Bonnie, or what were some of the other names that he had, Brad? William something, Billy Bonnie, Billy the Kid. Uh, he had like 42 different nicknames. Uh, but we zoom in on a Billy Bonnie who is met by a lawyer who doesn't believe who he is. And Billy is actually looking to get a pardon before he dies. He said, I'm, that makeup on Emilio Estevez, I didn't know it. for When I first saw it, I didn't know it was him. I thought it was an actual old actor. Oh, that was, it was fantastic. It was great. And for 80s makeup, usually it's pretty hokey, actually. So kudos to the makeup department on that one for sure. Oh, I, I always loved the, 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 that kind of special effects, the practical special effects. Nowadays, they CGI his face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a little, uh, little tidbit of trivia here. Uh, do you know who the guy who plays the lawyer that meets up with Billy, old Billy, uh, Brushy Bill, as they call him. Uh, do you know who that mm -hmm. is? And what movie he was famous for? I, um, I know who he is. I've seen him in lots of things, but don't ask me off the top of my head. 
That is Bradley Whitford. Whitford, that's He's right. He's a very famous actor, but he was best known for playing the antagonist in Billy Madison opposite Adam Sandler. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was waiting for him to start acting like a jerk or something like that. But we're going to get through some of the cast members and some other movies um, that you may not have recognized when you first saw the movie. Uh, let's move on to the next. Hold on. Let me, well, I lost my notes, Brad. All right, here we go. So Billy wants a pardon. Uh, the next scene, we're back in 1880 something. Uh, we meet Billy's new gang, which consists of Pat Garrett and Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh, played by Christian Slater. And based on those reviews that you said before, like I read that someone said that Emilio Esvez plays the same character in every movie. Uh, you should check out Christian Slater's book, <laughs> book of work. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. We love Christian Slater. We loved Pump Up the Volume. We loved him in Heathers, but mm, kind of plays the same kind of guy every single thing until he got older. Uh, we, and then he did the Mr. Robot. Yep. Which I never actually watched, even though Rami Malek is an Academy Award winning actor now. Yes. Are you ready? Next scene. Uh, we then find our friend, Josiah Doc Skurlock. He's a teacher in New York City, and he's tried to pull his put his regulator's life behind him. He's arrested and taken back to Lincoln County and thrown in a pit where he meets his old friend, Chavez E. Chavez. So those is, that's our first introduction to the, to the two characters from the old movie, uh, where they're in a pit. They are in a pit. And you know what I love about Chavez is he's always looking out for his friends. Like he epitomizes. And if everybody's seen the first movie, they always talk about pals. And that's something that uh, Billy the Kid says in this movie as well. But he always says pals. And Chavez, probably my favorite character in the movie, is by far the guy who epitomizes pals. Because the first thing he does when they realize it's Doc Skurlock, all the other prisoners want to kick his ass. And, and Chavez jumps right in between to protect his buddy. You know what I love about Chavez in this one is his hair. Really? Because I was looking at it when I was watching it and I was like, okay, first of all, it was a wig. Yes, it was a wig. But that is a gorgeous, long mane of hair. And maybe it's just because I'm jealous. Mm, me too. And But uh, the bangs could have done without. Kind of that fluffy, but that was the 80s. What do you expect? That's right. Okay, so while Doc, <clears throat> while Doc and Chavez are stuck in a pit, Billy has turned himself into the uh, governor because he's been offered immunity if he testifies against the Murphy gang. He's arrested, taken into custody, but little does Billy know that the governor has no intention of honoring that promise as he looks out the window to see the governor driving away. Now, here's another bit of trivia for everyone. The governor is played by an actor named Scott Wilson, and Brad, do you know what he's famous for? What's what act what what show he's famous from? Doesn't look anything uh, he, alike. He was in The Walking Dead. He was yes. He played. Um, oh my God, what was his name? Uh, he played. He played the dad, Maggie's dad, in in The Walking Dead. Yes. Uh, so as Billy realizes that he is um, not going to get out of uh, this jail situation, he escapes as a lynch mob comes to. Uh, grab Doc and Chavez. And you can see the, the sheriff, the douchebag sheriff. He's like, he's like, oh no, please don't. We don't have Billy, but we've got the Indian and the, and forgive me for using that phrase, I'm just quoting the movie. Uh, we've got the Indian and the tenderfoot. And so the lynch mob takes him away, only for them, for Doc to realize that it's Billy, Dave Rudabaugh, Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh, and Pat Garrett there to rescue and them. Pat Garrett. Yeah. Um, interesting from this scene. So what happens next is that the actual lynch mob shows up and a gunfight ensues, which happens quite a few times in this movie, obviously. Um, one of the prisoners comes running out of the pit and gets shot immediately by one of the, um, lynch mob. Who was that actor or who was the person who got shot? That would be the Bon Jovi. That was John Bon Jovi. And I didn't know that the first time we saw it. I think I, I think it was like years later that somebody said that was John Bon Jovi. He was on the set and somebody, I think Emilio Estevez said something like, uh, you want to be in the movie? So they put him in the movie. And actually, if we go back to Young Guns, the original, during the scene of where they're at Alex's house and they're all going to get burned out and shot, 
and the cavalry shows up and one the first guy that gets shot you know who that was no that was tom cruise he showed up on set and oh, they that's put him right, in the movie and right, they said yeah. we're just going to shoot you so get ready to get shot so they dressed him up we should we should actually say the oscar nominated bon jovi well, the, the song Blaze of Glory, which we're not allowed to play <laughs> for copyright <laughs> reasons, and Spotify will kick us off, is, uh, was nominated for a, an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Now, do you know what actually won that year? 1988. It was probably a Disney movie, but I don't know. Enlighten me. Well, it was, it was the 1991 Oscars. 1991, sorry, yes. Um, and it was, you know what? I don't remember the name of the song, but it was whatever song Madonna did for Dick Tracy. Oh, you know what? I remember going, that is the stupid, I was pissed <laughs> off. I remember now being so pissed off that John Bon Jovi didn't win the Oscar for that. <laughs> Do you know that, uh, Emilio Estevez called Bon Jovi and asked if he could use, um, wanted dead or alive. Right. And and Bon Jovi felt that the lyrics didn't actually match with the movie because, of course, they allowed him to read the script. So he ended up uh, writing Blaze of Glory and went out to the desert one time and uh, played an acoustic version of Blaze of Glory for Emilio and uh, Jeff Murphy, the director. Oh, and then boom, it was done. It was in the movie. And, and then it was done. And Bon Jovi liked the song so much, he wrote an entire album. Wow. I, you know what? That's something that I'll never have. Never have the ability to write a song like that. And then he pro I guarantee he wrote it in like t uh, 24 hours. Probably. Bastard. Probably. <laughs> lucky. No, not lucky. lucky. No, I mean, he's he's lucky to have those skills and that talent. And uh, But I, yeah. He's yes. Lucky bastard. Yes. Yes, he is. All right. The next scene. Uh, as Billy and the gang are planning their escape, Pat Garrett tells them, oh, by the way, they're going to be taking something, actually, it's in my notes, but I'll read it later. Uh, Pat Garrett says that he's not hes not hopping onto the trail with them. He's going to become an honest businessman. He's also got a woman. When they get back to the hideout, their little hideout where the whole town kind of takes care of them, and yes. you see Pat get off his horse and immediately hug and kiss a woman. So clearly he's got a love interest or you know what could be his future wife. Uh, so he says to Billy, I'm not going to be joining you. And Billy gives him that Emilio Estevez look like he's about to cry, Ow. cry and or yell at him. Uh, and little do we know that very soon, uh, Pat is going to become the sheriff of Lincoln County. We're going to cover that in just a few minutes. Um, as, as Billy looks so sad and forlorn as Pat walks out the door, uh, they bring in Henry. What was his full name? Henry something something. Oh God, it was played by uh, Alan, Alan Ruck. Oh. Alan, um, Alan Ruck played Henry French. Henry French. He spent the whole movie looking for a nickname and then decided he didn't want it. Henry, not Henry. Henry, Henry. French. Yeah, I always thought it was Henry. And we also meet Balthazar Getty, the most annoying character in the movie Ugh. itself. Definitely, he he's my throat punch candidate. The character. <laughs> And we'll we'll get into it in a few scenes uh, when they're in White Oaks, and we'll explain why I want to punch them right in the throat. Uh, where am I? <clears throat> Back to my notes, Brad. Um, we the next stop. Uh, this is where they bring in the actor who's old, uh, but he doesn't have as big a role as Jack Palance did in the original. But he's still like the rich guy who got richer from the Lincoln County Wars. Chis Chisholm, Chisholm, Mister Chisholm. John Chisholm. Played by James Coburn, a very famous actor from the 1950s and 1960s. He actually did a ton of Western movies as well. Um, apparently, he owes Billy 500 bucks, and he is not going to pull it off at all. Uh, did you notice during that scene, I wonder if it was the first scene that Alan Ruck actually filmed? Because his accent and his voice sounds completely different from when he first meets Billy and says, well, my wife died of the pox and I lost my farm to Mr. Chisholm. And then he's out on his horse and he's like, you stole my whore, my farm, Mr. Chisholm. He totally sounds different. <laughs> Mr. Chisholm, yes, that's right. That's right. I did notice that. I, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of in Star Wars that at the beginning of the movie, Princess Leia kind of has this 
hint of an English accent. And I think those were her first scenes. And George Lucas said, yeah, stop that. That's annoying. So I wonder if the director actually said to, said to Alan Ruck, yeah, we're not quite sure with that whole sounding voice, but no, thank you. Please stop. You can't, you can't sound like yourself. Yeah. This is also one of the first times that we hear the tagline that was in all of the trailers is Billy turns to the farmhand and says, I'll make you famous. Yep. Yeah. Typical, traditional 80s tagline, like I'll be back, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's get to scene four. Are you ready? Ready. This is where we meet the new sheriff. Pat Garrett walks out with his shiny star and his new black outfit and a really bad haircut. Yes. Yeah, he cut his mullet yes. off. Bad that haircut, Pat. Terrible. Bad haircut. Yeah, and then he shaved all his chops off and had this thin little cheesy mustache. Didn't like it. No, just walked out with the, the handlebar sort of, yeah. yeah it was it, bad. No, I didn't like it. It was like he was he was trying to grow it for Movember. And just was like, he decided on like the 15th of November to start growing it. But you had to have facial hair back because it was the Old West. Uh, let's see, where does he go next? He heads to the local newspaper man to employ him to document uh, his travels and his hunt for Billy the Kid, which actually did in real life become a published book that did not do well. People didn't buy no. it when Pat Garrett wrote it. Uh, but of course, uh, as the governor and the sheriff and the other rich dudes in town say to Pat Garrett, who better to find Billy the Kid than the guy who used to ride with him? So right. the chase ensues. Uh, out in this same scene, out in the middle of nowhere, um, their ride is interrupted by walk, having to go around a, a Native American burial ground where uh, Chavez and Dave Arkansas, Dave Rudabaugh, played by Christian Slater, uh, they um, get into a bit of a fight because Dave thinks that this stuff is worth money and Chavez is protecting his heritage and his and his um, family's uh, burial ground. Uh, did you notice the whole stabbing in the arm thing? Yep. During the fight? Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, never, ever do I ever want to be stabbed in the arm like that. Um, but Chavez no. being the tough son of a bitch that he was, uh, certainly didn't even show any emotion. Uh, did you know that that scene was actually filmed on purpose? Because he, he broke his arm. He had broken his arm and actually they needed to figure out a way to protect his arm. So, um, little tidbits, folks, little tidbits in the movie. Uh, let's move on to anything you want to add to those scenes for scene four. What do you, th what do you think about Pat Garrett? Do you think he took that decision a little bit too quickly? Like he literally went from shooting a guy and kicking dirt on him to going back and having a drink with Billy and saying, yeah, I think I might become sheriff. Uh, I don't know. I might just run a bar. Yeah, Pat Garrett's place. I mean, of course, it all depends on the relationship that he had with Billy, but he was offered, I think he was offered $1,000 by the governor, which, I mean, back then was a crap ton of money. Um, he wasn't going to be prosecuted. Yes. He was offered 500 wasn't was a five hundred. He wasn't going to be prosecuted for any of his crimes. Uh, he was going to be made sheriff, so he's actually given power. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's. I mean, I you know five hundred bucks. I'd probably turn you in. <laughs> five hundred bucks now, and five hundred bucks when you catch me. <laughs> Wouldn't be that hard to catch me nowadays, man. <laughs> Not at all. I can tell you, I, I am not going to be chasing you on horseback. I think that it'd be one of those situations when you reach our advanced age that it'd just be like, I'm not going to chase you because I'm just going to wait for you to trip over your own feet and fall flat on your face. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I found it very interesting that he was, a, they now they probably did it for speed sake for the storyline. But I needed them to portray Pat Garrett or William Peterson, who, by the way, was on CSI for many, many years. I was really wanting that character to, to show some kind of guilt or strife for what he did as a quote-unquote regulator, because we know that the regulators are gone. But I really wanted to, to feel like he was like conflicted about doing bad things. Like He literally turned coat for a badge and a thousand bucks. He did. Now, was he it because did. he was in love or he wanted to be a businessman? But honestly, it, they didn't show enough character development on that side of it. He went literally 
he did a 180 as fast as you could spin your head. It was the weirdest thing. I didn't like that did. part of it. I think it was also for pacing. It had to be, yes, but I just, I don't know. I was just like, nah, forget it. Like, this is not, they should have shown him, f like, earlier in the movie, they should have shown him showing some kind of regret or remorse or just guilt or something to be able to say, I don't know if I can do this anymore. He literally was sitting there going, yeah, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to open a bar. Yeah. And eat an eating house. And then there, and then Emilio had to stand there and stare at him in that light that they, you know, whoever the, um, the grips were had all this special light on his face where he was all like about to cry. No, no Patty. All he right. Had the, he had that look on his face as whether he was going to cry or start yelling. Oh my God. It's just bad eighties acting. It really was honestly like we'll get to our, our, our eventual, um, weight, how we weigh the movie, but uh, some of those scenes where he's, and even at the end of the movie, which we'll get to, where he has Pat in a room and they have that final conversation. But let's get through scene five. Uh, in their escape to the, what was the name of the trail? Oh, man, I had it in my notes here. Oh, the, oh, the Blackbird the Trail. The Blackbird. But the in on their way to the Blackbird Trail, um, the gang makes it to White Oaks where they hide out in a house of ill repute. They do. And that's and where Jenny Wright is. You're going to start talking about Balthazar Getty. Uh, okay. So Balthazar <laughs> Getty was great in the basketball diaries with, with um, the uh, Academy Award winner. <laughs> the Leo. The Leo DiCaprio. Um, okay. First of all, that character of Tom didn't like him at all, ever. Like, honestly, I want to punch him in the throat. The character, not the actor. Um, now, when when Jenny, Jane, Jane, the, the leader of this <clears throat> whorehouse, uh, asks how old he is, they say, they say 17, he says 14 and a half. Yes. Now, I know it's the Old West, but what, even a prostitute's going to go, mm -mm, 14 and a half. Mm. Uh, anyway, we don't really see anything. He comes out the door, the girl waves to him, and he stands in the hallway and gives this very <laughs> muted, you can do it, Brad, do the... Uh, uh, <clears throat> oh. <laughs> oh my God, I just wanted to punch him. Like, okay, just waiting for him to get shot somewhere because it was just so annoying. Um, oh, and hey, look, here comes another lynch mob. Jeez, that's just classic. It seems I've noticed, and I don't know if you did, the scenes tended to repeat themselves quite a bit. It was escape, Pat sees them because he knows them, chases them somewhere, and then doesn't show up for another 12 hours. Meanwhile, he's oh, on his tail. It was, it, was, it was a chase movie. Oh, totally, totally a chase movie, except Pat always seemed to show up a little bit too late. And then Vigo Mortensen, the great Vigo from all the Lord of the Rings movies and everything. Yeah, he's, he's done a couple of sequels, I think. His character, though, um, he plays John W. Poe, uh, one of the city slickers who works for the governor. Uh, he says, I find it kind of convenient that we always seem to be a little bit farther behind or, you know, when Pat suggests that they go one way to go another way. Yep. And then he says, why don't you just keep your mouth shut or I'll, you know, shut it for you type of thing. And mm -hmm. trying to, mm -hmm. you know, you know, show his like a sheriff bravado. Yeah. Uh, which is like, all right, that I can believe because Pat would probably kick his ass because he was, you know, what they call a tenderfoot. Um, but it is very true as far as I'm concerned that it always just seemed that Pat showed up too late. And so, yes, total chase movie. Mm, did they need that many scenes? I don't know. I think they were just trying to prove the fact that um, Billy was smarter than Pat. That's an interesting, that's an interesting theory. I never really thought about it that way. Now we do know, and we do find out there's no Blackbird trail and we'll talk about it in, a, in another, in the next scene, but Billy had never had any intention at all of, of getting over the border to Mexico. I don't think his ego would have allowed it. Or no. his, you know, his hatred now for Pat Garrett. I think they needed to have their final kind of Cain and Abel moment at the end, which they do. But do you remember uh, they bring the sheriff in 
he talks to them. They take his hat off. They put him, they put Chavez's hat on and wrap him in a blanket and then send him outside and get him shot. Another another actor tidbit. Who is that? Outside the house of ill repute. Outside of the um, house of ill repute. The actor that had the had the coat and the hat put on him. Yeah. Who is he? Oh Jesus. That's Robert um, Robert Nepper. Oh Robert Nepper. Robert Nepper was um, most well known for. Well, I guess Prison Break was one of his big hits. He's also, and if you look it up online, he's actually the guy they claim destroyed, ruined the, the TV show Heroes. He came on Heroes in something like season three or season four, and they claim that he's the one that ruined it because his character ruined it, and obviously not Robert Nepper himself because he's a brilliant actor. But he, they said that he actually destroyed uh, Heroes because it was so good um, to start with and then they went on this completely other tangent with a carnival or something like that. And they say, oh, Robert Nepper destroyed it. But um, I think he's a brilliant actor. And he did a really good job of stepping out and getting completely blown away by all the bullets from the, from those guys. Yeah, there, there was a lot of bullets. Yeah, But in, again, another shootout, another escape. <laughs> Pat shows up late again. And then he burns down Jane's whorehouse. What a dick. And, and that was right. And then she just goes, yeah, I think I'll get naked and jump on a horse and say, White Oaks, you can kiss my you can ass. Kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, that really had nothing to do with anything else. But I did appreciate the fact that she was naked. Yep, I do. She was very nice in the rear area. Very nice. But it still had absolutely nothing, like no idea why they decided to do. Maybe it's just usually because the 80s have to include at least one bare bum or a pair of boobs or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, a movie like that is going to be watched by young dudes and young dudes like bums. Yep. Um, so as they run away again and escape again, again, um, they get caught again by Pat who intercepts them this time so much faster than the last time. Uh, they get caught in a valley and they're shot at from above and you see Chavez trying to escape and yelling, Atse, Atse. And then all the horses go over. I hope no horses were hurting them in the filming of that, to be honest with you. Um, and then we find out that Atse, in his language, means stop. Stop. And there's your comedy. As you see Dave Rudabaugh look at him like, uh, what is that? What's that in your language? Uh, it means stop. It means stop. Oh, mm, okay. So we shouldn't have that done one that was very fast, by the way, where, where Garrett caught them there. It was, but again, it's we're not going to go into the details of how to shoot a movie, but we're going to say, no. as viewers of the movie, like, how did Pat catch up to them so quickly, considering he was so far behind? I mean, a little consistency with how he catches them would help. Yes, but again, this is like the fourth time he's run into him. Vigo thinks that he's not that he's doing this on purpose, um, and this is the scene that I was waiting for for the entire movie because I remember it. The sun shines in Pat Garrett's face as he sees two people on horseback, and he pulls the trigger on his rifle and he shoots. Tom, he does it. He does not hit Billy. He doesn't hit Billy. He shoots Tom. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye. Which, by the way, he did in real life, but Tom was 22 at the time, not 14 and a half. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, goodbye, Tom. I didn't like your character. Not, happy. <laughs> not sad that you're dead. Goodbye. All right. So now we goodbye. get back. Okay. So now we get to um, we get to the penultimate scene in the movie. Hiding out again, Billy explains that the Mexican blackbird isn't a trail to old Mexico. It's actually a whore <sighs> in a town yeah. somewhere. So he totally made it up. He t Doc is furious. He's so pissed. He's like, you know, like he said in the first one, he should have said, I nearly, I shit my britches. And Doc is furious. He's like so fed up. He's like, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going home. He walks out the door of this little ramshackle house and gets shot by Vigo. And gets shot. By Vigo. I the, know. The a 32-year-old Vigo. Yeah, young guy. Um, so Doc comes back in, and guess who jumps to his aid? As Billy and Dave Rudabaugh say, oh, he's dead, he's dead, leave him alone. But our good buddy Chavez, who I, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say right off the bat, because I think each episode we should pick our favorite character from the movie. 
Um, I'm going to pick Chavez as my favorite character in this movie. Definitely, oh, wa- definitely wasn't Balthazar's Tom. No, I, I, my favorite character in the movie is Chavez's hair. <laughs> just, just his hair. Just his hair. Yeah. This is there. It was, it, 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 for, for me, it, it was the perfect character. <laughs> it was it was it was flowing when he was riding, and it had the perfect bounce to it. It, it glistened in the sunlight. It never seemed to get dirty. Uh, it was fantastic. I did notice it, it just, got it was dusty. Fantastic hair. It did get dusty a bit, though. I did notice that. And then when he's like mourning the death of Tom, who cares? Um, he cuts his hair, which I believe is a, is a native tradition. When somebody close to you passes away, you, you cut a portion of your hair off, um, in honor of that person who died. So there's Chavez, like he knew this kid, he knew him for like two days and he's, and he's like making that kind of ritual sacrifice for him. So that just goes to show you that's why Chavez is my favorite character of the show. Now he did get dusty hair sometimes, but then in the next scene, it wasn't dusty anymore. Well, the wind blew it off because it was, you know, silky smooth and because it's Chavez, Chavez's hair, yeah. and it was perfect. All right. You should find out if you can ever get a wig like that and wear it. <laughs> <laughs> just walk into, just walk into the house, and the wife's like, "I'm liking the Chavez look." Uh, yeah, I, I, it's be more likely. Uh, here's the divorce lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Why? She, she wouldn't love the hair. Uh, <laughs> Tell you what, maybe twenty years ago when I I had the slim chance of rocking that look. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no. All right. Well, let's finish off this scene. Billy. Uh, everyone escapes except Billy, who cowers in a corner, and everybody points their guns, but they don't shoot him, even though that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, Billy's taken into custody and arrested and taken to trial where he shall be dead, dead, dead. And he says to the judge, you can go to hell, hell, hell. And he giggles in his typical Billy the Kid laughter. Uh, Jane then comes to visit him and does what for him, Brad? Uh, She brought him a tobacco pouch and inside the pouch... I can't remember what was inside the pouch. It said the words on a piece of paper, outhouse. Outhouse, that's right. Oh, and then he had to kill the poor sheriff or deputy oh, the or deputy whatever. Dude. Dave. Don't do it, Dave. Dave. Don't do it, Dave. What'd you do it for, Dave? Uh, exact scene. This bugged me. It did. Exactly the same scene from the beginning of the movie when he escapes from the governor's uh, jail the first time. Just that it yeah. was like, all right, what's going on here? Like, are we trying to go full circle with this or are we just adding it in? Because how many times can a guy escape from, from being in shackles? He said he had small hands, you know, smelled like cabbage. Big wrist, Big Big small, small hands, hands. Smells like cabbage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you know Colonies. what? We don't see Jane ever again. Like, we, we don't know. Nobody says what happens to her. Like, she said she's going to go and get a real proper whorehouse. And that's pretty much it. Um, I, I think from the looks of her, she probably went to teach Pilates somewhere. Probably. Yeah. Because she could. She could. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I would, I would, I would take you, you Pilates, would partake in her if, Pilates class. If she was the instructor. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at some pictures of Jenny Wright from, uh, Near Dark, which was another eighties kind of horror movie, uh, thriller, um, she had really spiky kind of eighties hair. She looks totally she different, totally different in this movie. She does. Uh, of course it's a period piece and people are going to say, well, of course, dummy, it's a period piece. No, but she like, I barely recognized her when I first saw the movie. Yeah. Because if anything I'd seen her in prior to this, she didn't have the long hair and that makes a difference. Yeah. For example, Chavez e Chavez. <laughs> you're gonna I'm going to stop talking about his hair dream, now. Dreams about Chavez. You roll over him. No, Chavez, give me your hair. No, oh, your hair. Oh. oh, Chavez, your hair. Uh, so Billy escapes again from the same place again. Uh, puts a dollar eighty worth of buckshot into uh, Buddy Boy, the sheriff's uh, chest, uh, and Billy is back at his regular hideout after escaping and finds the only two people left are Henry, uh, Hendry, Hendry and Chavez. 
who is badly shot. Uh, Billy finally gets to say goodbye to Chavez and his death was very unceremonious. He just kind of walked out, fell down, put his head on the ground. Goodbye, Chavez. Yeah, but the spirit horse came for him. Yes. Okay. So we got the spirit horse, but I think he deserved, because he's my favorite character in the movie, I think he, because he really epitomizes pals. Uh, I think they should have, and then uh, they should have given him a better death scene. It was kind of dark and it kind of, I don't know. I don't, I didn't like the way it was filmed, basically. Until the spirit horse came and it's goodbye, Chavez. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, Henry says, I don't want a nickname. His voice sounds completely different from when he meets Mr. Chisholm. <laughs> Reshoot, reshoots. And says, uh, later, dude. And he's out of here. He's going, I don't want a nickname. I don't want to kill. And he just takes off. We never find out what the hell happened to him. So I'm wondering, do you think he was a, like, do you think he was just a written in character? Like he didn't actually exist? Probably. Oh, the one thing I forgot to mention in the previous scene was we see Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh takes off. He leaves Chavez hanging, by the way, even he when does. Chavez helped him the previous escape. Not a nice guy at no. all. Walks no. in where he thinks he's in old Mexico. And throughout the entire movie, he's always wanted to be the leader. He's always wanted to be the recognized one. And he finally gets there and says, you know who I am? And they kind of slowly nod at him. Right away, you're like, yeah, he's dead. Goodbye, Dave. I liked him. I thought he was good. Well, you know what? We were also humongous fans of Christian Slater at the time, and he was his popularity had just spiked, and that's, I guarantee, yeah. why he was cast in this movie. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, but we find out at the end of the movie that he was beheaded by those two guys, and <laughs> he was. He yep. was passed around uh, like a ping pong ball. Uh, yeah. you know, as a warning to other outlaws to go south of the border. Um, so we get to the final part of the movie where, of course, Pat shows up late again. Jerk. This guy must have, like, the worst time management skills whatsoever. Uh, and uh, after Billy left him a note in blood that said Garrett's place in the wall of the, of the jail, uh, here's where they have their quote-unquote end-of-movie conversation. Uh, the whole palace thing is, is exchanged and Billy turns his back on him. Did you notice the symbolism there that the, uh, with him turning his back to him? Uh, apparently he shot him in the back. That's all I know about that. No, I don't think he was shot in the back. I just know that it used to, it was, I believe I remember reading in the old West that if you turned your back on somebody, they can't shoot you because you never shot a man in the back. Only cowards, oh. only cowards did that, but so we see Pat raise his gun and fires it. And the next thing we notice is that he's standing at a gravesite where Billy's horse is being walked away. Did you notice that was Billy's horse that was sitting there with just this empty saddle? I did. Uh, Pat shoots. Uh, Pat has a burial for him. Um, so you're kind of thinking, well, he's dead. Unless, of course, we have uh, ourselves back in 1950 for the end of the movie where he's told his story. The lawyer doesn't think that he's going to help him out. He starts walking away, and then Buddy Boy yells at him and says, Hey, Mr. Bonnie, Mr. Billy, Bush, Bush, Brush Billy, or whatever the hell your name is. He chases after him. We don't actually hear what they're saying because the uh, awesome song that is Blaze of Glory starts playing in the foreground. Correct. That is our review of Young Guns 2. Now it's time <laughs> for us to weigh it. We're bringing out the scale, Brad. We're bringing out the scale and we're going to weigh the movie. I need some kind of like weight or scale sound effect that I'll add in. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what, I'm, I'm, what does the scale I'm, have to do with uh, movies, you might ask, sir? What does the scale have to do with movies? Funny you should ask, Brad. It's time to see how the movie weighed up to the original. Did it hold its own weight? Did it stand up? Or was it even heavier? Get it? I get it. We're going to give the sequel a rating on, on the movie scale. That's what we're calling it. We're calling it the movie scale from zero to 100 pounds. Now, in order for us to measure it against the original, we got to give the original a rating. So go back into your memory. It's probably only been a few weeks since you watched Young Guns because you probably, like me, watch it like every six months. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, let's talk about the original. What did you give a uh, uh, scale of one to hundred? What are you giving? What are you giving the original? And what are you giving to the sequel? Does it weigh up? It did at the box office, but in your 
your opinion, where did it weigh up, Brad? I mean, the original was such a big part uh, of growing up and, and a lot of things that we did together and talked about. And, and I mean, I, I weigh that not just on merits of the movie, but on, on, I don't know, being part of life. So tell you what, I will give the original 82 pounds. 82 pounds for the original. Now, what are you giving the sequel? <sighs> Not 82 pounds. No, okay. <laughs> no I'm going to go for 56. 56 out of 100 pounds and 89, you 82. said, for the original. 82. Well, I'm going to be a bit higher on the original, to be honest with you. I'm going to give it 90 wow. pounds. I loved that movie and I wasn't like the Brad Pack guy because I hadn't really seen anything but The Breakfast Club. For me, I, we, I totally watched Young Guns from a brand new perspective and thought it was incredible. You and I have also pulled every single tagline out of that movie and used it in our lexicon for our entire grown-up lives. I'm giving Young Guns the original nine, yeah, 90 right, that's pounds. Good. I'm giving the However. sequel... <laughs> <laughs> what, however, what did you give the what did you give uh, the 56. sequel? Fifty six. Fifty six. I'm going to be a bit higher. I'm going to give it fifty nine pounds. I, I think it pales in comparison to the. You original. know, I almost said fifty nine pounds. Fifty nine pounds is what it is, and we're going to. You know what I'll do? I'll keep a spreadsheet, and we'll. Uh, since this is our inaugural episode, we'll keep a little spreadsheet to see where we rank in all of our sequels Good. and the originals, comparatively Good. speaking. Any final thoughts before we wrap up the show, sir? Um, you know, the one for me, the biggest issue with the sequel was it was all about Billy the Kid and, and the fact that Emilio, I mean, he's, he's okay in an ensemble movie, but he was definitely the star of this one. Um, in the original, they turned him into a star about halfway through because circumstances that occurred in that. Um, but the original had characters, well, had actors like Jack Palance and Terrence Stamp, you know, the, the good old guys that the level of acting is just so fantastic. That, yeah. I mean, I, I can't fault any single scene that they were in. Um, yeah. And Terrence, Terrence Stamp is one of my favorite oh, actors of all time. Both of them and are fantastic. One of the reasons why Terrence Stamp is my one of my favorite actors is because he played General Zod in Superman too. <laughs> he did. He did. That wasn't that wasn't I one of the better performances I was thinking of. <laughs> no, but definitely like just I even got a t-shirt that has Neil before Zod <laughs> on it. So with, with his picture. But I mean the original <laughs> was kind of anchored by, you know, by the old the old West. And then, and then it sort of turned into the new West about halfway through and then started following Emilio. And then when Young Guns 2 came in, it picks up following Emilio. And I don't know, it just, I don't think he was an interesting enough character to actually lead the movie. So are you talking, are you, do you mean Emilio, the actor I mean, or the character, well, the character of, of Billy, Billy, yeah. Billy, the kid? Really? I, mean, I think Billy could be an interesting character, maybe if played by someone else that had greater range at the time he was being played. Um, well, okay. So first and foremost, we, we wouldn't have been able to have another actor be Billy the Kid as Young Guns 2. We're, we're unfortunately stuck yeah. with him there. Right? Now, I do agree uh, with the one thing that you said, which was what I felt with this movie was that the first one, yes, I, I love the ensemble stuff. That was the, you know, that was like kind of the key to a great 80s movie sometimes was having an ensemble cast like that. Uh, but I think that the historical part of it whether it's fake or not, and everybody's going to say, well, this didn't happen and that didn't happen. And that doesn't really matter to me. What it is, is that we followed a historical storyline or we followed a storyline 
And it had a beginning, it had a middle, and it had an end. This was, Young Guns 2 to me had a beginning. Then it went to the second. Then it went back to the beginning. Then it went to the third. And then it went back to the beginning. It was the same thing over and over again. It was like almost like four big scenes recycled five times. And then it's kind of like, oh, Billy escapes from jail uh, again. It didn't have that. And honestly, you're right. I think they should have incorporated a little bit more character development with everybody else. We should have learned more about Tom, even though he deserves a throat punch. We should have learned more about Pat Garrett and maybe some of his history. And we should have learned more about Henry. Uh, Henry was William French. Was it? Henry William it French. Name. We should have learned. <laughs> I, you know what? They could have done more. They could have given Doc a bigger a bigger part. Yeah, he didn't. And they could have given Doc. Chavez a little bit more. Like, Doc got arrested after having a great time in New York. He probably married the China doll, as her character was called in the, in the original. And he even said he yes. had kids. All that poor bastard wanted to do yes. was go home, but he kept getting sucked in by Billy and his crazy antics. I honestly wish that they had written it that Doc gets away. Yeah. Like, Doc should have escaped, and they should have just said Doc ended up in... But, again, he gets killed he, in real he life, does. right? The Josiah, Josiah Scarlock gets killed in real life, right? So... I guess they're trying to keep as much historical um, as possible. But, you know, I almost forgot that we've got to cover our favorite scene of the movie. Totally forgot. we got to cover. So every episode, we're going to decide which is our favorite scene and why. And we'll see if the other one agrees. Okay. okay how about that? That sounds good. We're still, we're, you know, we're new. We're new. We're a new podcast. We're still just trying to figure things out. Uh, oh, did you hear me sound like a real uh, Canadian I, there? I did, eh? Eh? Like, Hi. <laughs> Okay, so like, what's your favorite scene, eh? I know what mine is. Okay, um, it's actually kind of it's it's sort of a toss up between two of them. Um, the first was the beginning of the movie. It just just as the camera is panning around wherever they were, it was supposed to be Mexico, I think. I don't know if it was actually filmed in Mexico. I have no idea. Um, while some of the credits are rolling up. Mm -hmm. And then, completely out of nowhere, because it isn't something that I ever expected to see, a truck drives by. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's the big, yeah, at the beginning when he sits down on the sand dune. Yeah. And you're thinking it's 1885. Because it's it's sequel to Young Guns. You're not expecting to see a truck. And that just, wow. I thought that was really well done. I told you know what? It was a complete yep. surprise. And I mean, totally. I, like, I like to be surprised. And that immediately takes you to a place where you're trying to figure out, A, who's this old guy? And what in the, the hell time, is going know. on now? And he's, he's dressed like it's 1885, but it's now, it's 1950. Yeah, I mean, by this time, Billy the Kid is long dead. So what the heck is going on? Well, at least we think he is, right? Right. So, Right. We think he's been shot. Okay. Right. You know what? Okay. I, I got to give you kudos for that one. That I didn't even think about. Like I'm a boot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then my second one, which as I'm talking about it, okay, the second one, this is actually my favorite scene. Um, the lynch mob. When Billy. Which went, one? There's 14 when, of them. This in is the what movie. I'm going to tell you. When Billy went to go and save Doc and Chavez. Okay, and they and they showed up as the fake lynch mob. Yeah. No one even got them as they're walking away and they say, Oh, it's the real lynch mob. The real when the real lynch mob and I know you'll have to go back and watch it again to watch this one, but when the real lynch mob comes out from the left side of the screen, they're actually and I don't know if this was done on purpose or not, but they're coming out in front of the church. And there's a fence. So there's a church, there's a fence, and the lynch mob is coming out between the church and the fence. And on the other side of the fence, that's where the cemetery is. And I just thought having them come out from a church and the cemetery and they're coming out to kill people, it was sort of an ominous, I don't know, eerie sort of feeling to it that um, that maybe I'm eggheading far too much than was ever <laughs> That they were ever supposed to create, but I just thought having them come out beside the church like that for death, I really enjoyed the way that it was shot. Yeah, I can totally see it now. I, I see the scene in my head now. I'm not going to go back and watch it again because um, I'll have to rent, pay five bucks to rent the movie again. Um, 
No, I totally get it. But I think if I was going to pick one for you, I would tell you the first one, the, the beginning when the truck goes by, because that's, you're just totally like, what the heck's going on? But you quickly understand like the, the way it was shot quickly brings you to it. Yeah. There was no, there was no dialogue necessary. It was just ha having that truck. Yeah. yeah. All right, it's just my it's my time for the my favorite scene. Even though I criticized it, my favorite scene is when uh, it, Chavez when Chavez dies. Okay, because it offered closure for a character, um, and I as much as I hate the fact that he didn't get a very glorious, you know, kind of death. I think the biggest thing, and, and you helped me re remind me of it, is that when he finally does, he gets to walk away from Billy. He does. He, so he, he, even though he's going to die, he gets to say goodbye to the guy that pretty much caused his death, to be honest, and has caused him a whole heap of trouble ever since John Tunstall brought him onto the farm. Yes. Uh, I think all Chavez wanted to do was was get married and, and live in a community and... He didn't get that. So he's a bit of a tortured soul. And I think maybe I might look at it from a perspective that if he didn't get that glorious death, that was on purpose from the filmmaker's perspective. No, Chavez doesn't get a big, a big send off. He is a tortured soul who was, you know, a little bit wrong place, wrong time. Um, but he's also a humble guy who's very simple in his ways. And maybe he didn't need the fanfare. He just needed to walk off into the sunset almost. And then the spirit horse running across the screen. Uh, it actually made me want to go in there and punch Billy right in the face and go, he's dead because of you, you son of a bitch. And th he gets the throat punch there. Yes, he is. That, no, that, that, that was, I, yeah, I think by far that was the best death out of both movies. Yep. Uh, yep. It, it, well, I, again, sad to see Doc die. Um, sad to see Chavez die. Not sad to see Tom die. Thank goodness he was annoying. Um, I'm glad that Henry French didn't die. Yeah, he didn't deserve it. No, and you know he was he was just again wrong time, wrong place. Uh, good man likes to talk different every once in a while. Put on an accent. You stole my farm, Mister Chisholm. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was I was actually contemplating that one too, Chavez's death. The thing, the the thing that I can't choose that one because what it, what that was missing was that there should have been a blanket or something on the ground so that he didn't get his hair dirty when he fell down. His beautiful, his beautiful, mane. gorgeous hair. <laughs> I'm totally. I, I'm now. I'm going to go online and try to find you a Chavez wig, <laughs> <laughs> just so you can like comb it and brush it and. I'm, I'm going to wash lay it. it on my pillow at night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, Brad. If you've got nothing else to add. I just want to thank everyone for listening to the first episode ever of the Electric Boogaloo podcast. I'm going to say it with that kind of uh, uh, as a theme. Um, we're going to be on social media. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, leave a review of the show, please. It's really important. Apple, Spotify, please leave us a review. It really helps us climb the charts. Um, give us, um, give us an. You know, we're going to be setting up a website and email. But if you want to drop us a line on on uh, Instagram or Facebook and tell us if you'd like to choose a specific movie, we're also going to have guests on the show to join in on our conversations. We're even going to have producers join in and, and pick the movie and kind of walk us through it. Um, Brad, thanks so much for joining me for our first episode, buddy. Oh, oh, like no problem, eh? Oh, no problem, eh? Yeah. Welcome to the Electric Canadian Boogaloo podcast, eh? <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully our accents don't <laughs> turn too many people off. Now, uh, oot, oot the boot. Our <laughs> next next week on the show. Yes, is that, is that what are we gonna What are we doing? Do Do we want to go because 
Um, Jeff Murphy, who directed Young Guns 2, directed Under Siege 2. Yep. Or, 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 written by John Fusco, who also wrote Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, which I have not seen. Now, Under Siege has got Steve. The Steve. One of our favorite, not not so much anymore, but one of our most impactful Well, no, actors. now he's Russian or whatever the hell All he's doing. Them. I yeah. have no idea. Um, one, one of the most impactful actors in movies that we watched. We saw every single Steven Seagal movie. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I say we do. I say we do Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. With Eric Bogosian. Yep. All right. Bogosian, All right. Uh, Catherine Sounds Heigl. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, listen, everybody, that is a wrap for us on this episode. Please join us next week when we will be doing Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. Brad, thanks as always for joining me on the show. Well, like, good day, eh? It was a pleasure, my friend. We will see you next week. We are out for now.